Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. We know that for the sake of the gospel simply means for the sake of something, I will do something. So when you came into relationship with Christ, we now do something. We have a part to play. Can I tell you today that when you saw or when you heard the gospel, that it caused something within you to say, I need that. And because of that, now today, you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a follower of Christ. And when we are following after Christ, that means there are certain things that we do as Christians that people in this world can see that we are known and seen as followers of Christ. So you are seen a little differently. You look a little differently. You act a little differently. This is not saying that we are better than people, but this is saying that you have come and awakened to the gospel, to the good news of what God has done through his son Jesus. Amen? And you have now partnered yourself and have come alive through that word. And let me tell you this, it's not just his word alone, but it's also his power. The gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power. The Bible says in this scripture that Paul wasn't just preaching with persuasive words out of human wisdom. How come sometimes as Christians we try to talk to men and women arguing about what's right and what's wrong? If anything Facebook's good for is that's exactly what it is, arguing. Listen to my point. If you don't like it, unfollow me. I've seen that post before. I've seen people say, this is what I'm going to post. If you don't like it, don't follow me. But for the sake of what? Are we try- what are we trying to pr- prove? An opinion? Something that's not going to change the masses. So what do we have to do? We have to learn how to communicate and walk in what the Bible says in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul didn't just talk in words. There was demonstration in power. Jesus didn't talk just in words. He didn't just teach. What did he do? He demonstrated what he taught. There was a man in the 90s and the 80s, a powerful man of God named Kenneth Hagin. And he taught the word of God, but he also demonstrated the word of God. I don't know if you ever heard of Kenneth Hagin. Maybe you have. But Kenneth Hagin, I listen to all the time, and he's written a lot of books that are very easily simplified to easily understand and it's literally he hasn't it's so simple that there's not it's not muddied it's not uh to the point where just oversimplify or we over we over uh complicate things because us as christians we like to overcomplicate things you know i i, I remember when i was growing up i had somebody come to me he said do you know the 500 different types of uh demonic manifestations and i'm like no how why do you I'm just like, why would you, why? And I'm not, I'm not bringing this to a point of saying you don't grow in knowledge. It's important to grow in knowledge. We need knowledge. But for the sake of what? For the sake of using it through demonstration and power. Why did Jesus do what he did? Because he brought hope to humanity. He brought healing. He brought life. It says that Jesus is the life or the way, the truth, and the life. 
Well, how do people see that? How did they, the woman with the issue of blood know that Jesus was a healer? She heard. And as she heard, she believed. And it was faith that activated with the word and with the power of God or the power of Jesus that caused her to be whole. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Can I tell you right now that you are a Christian in a kingdom, and this kingdom is called the kingdom of God. And as a Christian and a man and woman in God, we don't just work in word, but we work in power. And if you only have word and no power, people are not going to be able to experience who Jesus is because it will just be word. And a lot of people that just hear word don't ever get set free and they stay bound to what they are allowing them to be chained to or to be bound by. There's a lot of Christians that love God, that believe in God, that fear God, that have a reverence for God, but they are still bound by sin. They are still allowing the distraction of this world. They are still compromising their daily walk with Christ. Why is that? It's because they are not walking in the power that's been given to them. Even in our age, we allow ourselves to get to a place of comfortability and to allow ourselves to just let everything be common. If you've gone to church longer than 10 years, lift your hand. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. <laughs> Praise God. That's, that's huge, man. I love it. And what am I saying? Even now, you still have the same power that you did when you got saved. And see, I look around, I see it, and a lot of you know that. And it is our job, even in our age, and even with the capacity that we do have, to be a witness. What did it say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? But you shall receive power. For power for what? Power to be my witness. If you don't use the power you have, you're not being a witness. He's given you something. There are men and women today that do not know God and will only come to know God because of you. Sometimes we rely on the pastor to do it. And if the pastor won't do it, then we go to another place. It is not the pastor's job to serve God for you. No, it's the pastor's job to pastor you, but the problem is a lot of people don't want to be pastored. They want to pastor the pastor. <laughs> don't shout me down. God has put an oracle in your life, a voice in your life. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about an office of a pastor, and the purpose of what it's to do is to equip you and to empower you for the what? The work of the ministry. Does that mean that we're ministers of the gospel? Yeah. You're a minister of the gospel. You're not just your job title. You're not just your surname. You're not just what you look like in the mirror. You are a minister of the gospel. We say, I don't feel like it. When I look in the mirror, I feel a lot different. See, today, we have an opportunity to continue to move in his power. But that power is balanced with something, his word. 
Because if it's not balanced with his word, then it becomes sensual. Now, sensual does not mean sexual. Sensual is literally the opposite of spiritual. Sensual is perverting the spiritual realm. It's perverting the spiritualness that God has given us. Does that make sense? And a lot of times we see this within the charismatic denomination of Pentecostal. You see this form of sensualism. I just need a word from the Lord. I need someone to prophesy over me. I, I just, they'll, go to, they'll go to revivals. They'll go to tent revivals. And they get all these words. They'll fall out by, you know, someone laying their hand on them. And look, and I am a product of impartation. Let me just tell you that right now. I've been in services where I've experienced the power of God, where God just hit me, and I didn't know what to do but fall on my face. I didn't know what to do but take off running. If you never experienced God like that, let me tell you, it's, it's real. I don't know what else to tell you. I didn't make it up in my mind. It just wasn't something I thought I was going to do. I'm a pretty chill guy, but I've had experiences from the power of God that just changed my life. But a lot of times we just live by impartation alone. We're not supposed to. You know, if I was to prophesy something over to you, what does that mean? What would you do with it? God's going to do it at some point. No, that would mean you need to be obedient to the prophecy and take action. If I was to prophesy over you and say, you know what, God's called you that you're going to be singing, you're going to be on TV shows and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm just using an example. But if I was to say that to you, that wouldn't mean that you just sit around and wait. That would mean take singing lessons. (laughs) That means you do something with the prophecy. And see, we have to understand that in this moment In our culture, in this day and age, there are so many men and women that are serving God but are not serving God. What do I mean by this? Because ultimately we would say, though, that's not serving God or correct. There's a lot of people that carry a title of being a Christian but are not walking with Christ. Why is this? It's because we have turned church into a place of entertainment. We have turned church to a place of it's about us. And because of that, for the past 30 years, and if some of you have been serving God longer than that, you know that a lot of people that call themselves Christians that are young don't have word in them. And because of a lack of word and a lack of knowledge, they have no power to overcome the very sin that God has freed them from. Pastor Brian just now said it. The blood of Jesus is the highest currency that's been given to humanity. Everything you have need of is found in him. And that happened the day that he gave his life for you. The day that you believed in what he did. Do you know that you have all the grace, all the wisdom, all the strength that you could ever need day one when you gave your heart to Christ? You don't necessarily, let's say this way, grace doesn't grow in you, you grow in grace. Wisdom doesn't grow in you, you grow in wisdom. God has done his part. Everything that you have need of is found in Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, his power was with his word. And when faith believed in the word, the power worked for the need. See, we get faith through his word. You find your identity through his word. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, 
but Christ who lives in you. And the life that you now live in the flesh, meaning the life that you live on this earth, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved him or who loves you and gave himself for you. You're not living on this life for your own. You're not living on this life just to enjoy life. You have been crucified with Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, meaning you and me, if you received Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you ever had a child, I have a son. He's seven years old in January. And I can tell you right now, him being my son, I would do anything for him. Anything. Now, I know that that's not everybody's story. I know that some people do not come from a father in the home. I know some people come from a dysfunctional home. But let me tell you, that's not your story because you serve a father and his name is God. And he loves you. And he has adopted you into his kingdom. So today, if you are fatherless, you are not. You have a father. But in saying what I'm saying about my son, he is my child. I will teach him. I will train him. I will love him. I will do what's necessary so that he can live this life equipped with knowledge and understanding and full of God's word. That's why he comes to church with me. I will drag him to church for the rest of his life until he leaves my house. I will indoctrinate my son with the word of God because I am not living according to this world, and the world wants everything to do to take him out, and he doesn't know that because the influences he'll be around at, at school and when he gets older and he, what he does. So what am I going to do? I'm going to teach him who he is in Christ. I'm going to preach Jesus to him. I'm going to live it throughout my life. My wife's going to do the same. He's going to be around men and women in the house of God, around people that have lived it out, people like you, and he's going to see the example of Christ. So if it's the same way for that, why would it be different for God? You're a child of God. You have a new identity. We have to understand our position in Christ, which is in Christ. If you are sick in your body today, let me tell you, you are healed. How do I know I'm healed? Because you are in Christ. What does his word say? By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. If you are going through something, whether it's small or big, You are an overcomer. You are a victor. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are more than a conqueror. His word says this. And because you are in Christ, it is true. That's the power. The power of his word. It said that Jesus moved by the word of his power. Who is he talking about? The father. Even Jesus understood authority. He worked and did everything that he did on this earth, not through his power, but through the Father. See, a lot of us, we want the word, but we don't want the power behind the word. A lot of us are okay because the power makes us look crazy. Do you think it was God's design and God's plan to have multiple denominations in the world today? Yeah. 
No. But how come we've gotten so comfortable with it? I've never understood it. I grew up my whole life hearing of all the different denominations and all the different things. I don't understand it. I mean, I do understand it, of course. But that's not God's plan. We are the church. You think that when we go to heaven, Methodists over there, Lutheran over there, Baptists over there, Pentecostals over there. No, of course he's not. Why would he do that? We are his church. See, you can't just have his word and no power. Even though a lot of people live it that way, but if you live it that way, you won't see the full effect of his word in your life. You'll see a little effect. And that's why you see a lot of Christians that are barely making it. Never understood it. If I'm going to believe and serve God, I'm not going to barely make it. Now, just because I have tough situations, because we all go through stuff. I mean, let's be real. We live this in this life. But just because we go through stuff doesn't mean I'm barely making it. I got faith even in the moment that is hard, even in the pressure of life, even in the struggle, even when it seems like I'm not going to make it, even when I don't know what to do, even when there's all chaos and confusion. I know that this life is a battle. I know that there's an opposing side against me. You know, we look in 2 Samuel, or 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David, which is a very familiar scripture to us. David, he defeated Goliath, right? How did he defeat Goliath? He saw what no one else could see. He saw that it wasn't just coming against them, it was actually coming against God. And he said, who dares this uncircumcised Philistine to come against the Lord Almighty? He was the only one of them that said, I'll take him out. People saw the, the giant, they saw the armor, they saw his intensity of Goliath, and they feared him. And it's the same way people live in this world. The same way some Christians live. They live in fear of what's happening in their life and they want to run away and quit. And this is what Goliaths do when you don't know who you are in Christ. David knew who he was. I defeated a bear. I defeated a lion. No biggie. The reality is sometimes we see David as this Small boy that didn't know what he was doing. No, he was smart. He was strategic. And the, even the sling that he carried, that thing, they said if you were to, uh, the way they threw it is equaled up to a 45-millimeter bullet of how fast it goes. So he, he was pretty smart in what he did. Sometimes we try to say that, you know, he just didn't know what he was doing. He was just careless. But no, he knew what he was doing. He was brave. He was courageous, okay? He wasn't some just weak person. I don't like how we try to make David look weak. He wasn't weak. He knew exactly what he was doing. See, you got to have both together, the word and power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, and I'm closing, it says this, The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power... To demolish, say demolish, strongholds. That word, weapons or warfare, sorry, it means an expedition, a campaign, a military service, a warfare. There is an expedition, there is a campaign from the Satan himself trying to destroy everything you are. 
And he will use every influence he can. He will use any trick, any trap, any struggle, any personal weakness. Do you ever notice, you know, because every one of us have our own personal or have our own uh, weaknesses. And not all of them are all the same. And do you ever find yourself getting caught up back into it? How come? It's because we have allowed ourselves to get comfortable. I don't know about you, but this is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. We are not just hanging out, drinking some pina coladas, chilling, laying out, and soaking up the sun. We're on a battleship. We are in battle. And the thing is, you are not created to just chill out. No, you were created not to hold ground, but to take ground. You were not created to retreat, but to advance the kingdom of God. You were created by God to stand. David knew that defeating Goliath was not only going to affect him, it was going to affect the Israelites, and it did. Again, coming back to this series, we've been talking about for what you do is going to affect you, but it's going to affect the church, the corporate. You have a part to play. And when you live in his word and in his power, think about what a Sunday service would be. You wouldn't come in here. Now, let me say it this way. This week, were you preparing in your heart to bring an offering to God on Sunday? And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about yourself, a living sacrifice. That's what Romans 12 talks about. Were you prepared in your heart? Or did you think, I just go to church. That's what we do. Or was it, man, I can't wait to be in the house of God. I can't wait to be a part or have a part to play. I can't wait to serve God. I can't wait to worship God. I can't wait, man. I'm going to bring some people with me. When's the last time you brought someone to church with you that you didn't know? Now, I've heard this said recently when it comes to the coming of the Lord and it comes to the end times that in this moment that the great awakening has already happened and really we're in the time of the great falling away. Because if you look back in the 90s and the 80s, especially in that church age and that time of history, the church was wild. It did some phenomenal stuff. But I still believe that there are people out there that need the gospel. Even if that is true, I don't know if it is. But if it is, that means that there's even more of an urgency that should be on us to get the word out to men and women. There are thousands and not tens of thousands of people just in the peninsula that need your voice. This isn't an individual, this, or let's say it this way, this isn't a private relationship. Everything about Jesus was public. He lived a public life. His birth was public. His ministry was public. His death was public. And his resurrection was public. Christian, you would live a public life for him. Even in baptism, and water baptism, it was a public declaration of what inwardly changed in you. Your whole life is public. It's not just you and the man upstairs. This is why we come to the house of God, because we are a body. We are a church. We assemble together. It's not about just coming together and drinking coffee and having cupcakes. 
It's more than that. That's fun. We have community. Let's be real. If you read in Acts chapter 2 and go down to verse 40, it talks about what the church did. One of the things they did was fellowship. They broke bread together. They enjoyed their time together. But it was centered around advancing the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you can't have pleasure. You can't have joy. I mean, if you've raised a family and had a family, you know it's a pleasure to be with them. It's a pleasure to raise them. It's a pleasure to be married. I love living and doing life with my wife. And I can't wait until I'm 90 years old and said I've been married for 70 years. It'd be awesome. What am I saying, though? I'm saying this. You, right now, are called to stand in his word and in his power. Just like Ephesians chapter 6 says, having done all, stand, or having done all to withstand, continue to stand. Church, you can't fight a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. This is a spiritual battle, and it's not won by just fleshly weapons. Your own, what does that mean? Your intellect, your good looks, your cunningness, your common sense, going to Google and typing in, I have an itch, what does this mean? I have a rash, what do I do with it? What I'm saying is, when you're in trouble, you go to the Word. But the reality is, if you continue to keep yourself in the Word, even when there's no trouble, you're ready and prepared. You don't go to battle unprepared. But you will learn the greatest experience in the battle. You'll get hurt. You'll make mistakes. You'll fail. It's part of the learning. But if you never get out and do it, and just try to play the safe way, the safe route, you won't experience the fullness of God in your life. Today, if there's any way to end this, it would be this. Everything that you have need of is in Christ. You have been given everything from day one when you got saved. And so today, take your position in him. Take your position in his word and take his, your position in him through power. Today, demonstrate his power, not only to your family, but also to the people around you. And that not isn't necessarily just going to just putting your hands on someone in their eyes that are blind being open. It can be that because there's power for that. But it can literally just be to loving people. It can be as simple as encouraging someone. When's the last time you called someone up and said, you know what, man, I'm thinking about you. Let me pray with you. Let's just pray. Instead of just gossiping about what's going on in the world, instead of just complaining and getting ticked off and allowing that to just cause more stress, when's the last time you called someone that's in the body of Christ and said, you know what, man, let's take a moment and just pray. I'm just... When's the last time you talked to someone that doesn't know God at all? And say, you know what? I just feel compelled in my heart to tell you that God loves you and he has a purpose for you. And that person might look at you like, who are you? That's fine. Or they might say, you know what? I've been waiting to hear that. If you've heard my stories, I got a lot of stories of that happening. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.